Hi, my name's Tony and welcome to Bigger Than Hollywood. Hi, my name is Tony and welcome to episode 23 of Bigger Than Hollywood, a podcast about the business of kind of learning my way through being an independent video games developer and releasing games and all kinds of bits and bobs like that. And Workshop, my company is 44 weeks old today. And wait, 44, not 43? You said that this was going to be... a bi-weekly podcast and so it should be 43 weeks old no it isn't having almost immediately after saying i definitely can't do this weekly anymore i'm going to do it every other week i have now just taken three weeks to release uh, a next episode because frankly last week i was up to the eyeballs with a bit of client work and really panicking about getting it finished on time and this this friendly, informal, knockabout chat may sound like it literally falls off the back of a lorry, but you would be surprised at how much time it takes to sit down and get something like this done. Um, in terms of that I have to actually think about something that I'm going to talk about, because otherwise episodes where I haven't written down literally anything ahead of time to talk about a uh, those are the awful episodes that really I hear and are very, very short indeed. Um, and then also I need to make sure that I'm in a reasonably quiet space. So either there is nobody in my house or I'm in the co-working office and I've booked a meeting room. Actually, I've never done it there. I've only ever done it in my house because I would feel really weird. I don't know what it is. I would feel really weird about booking out a meeting room just to sit and talk to myself. So I don't do that. Uh, but having children means I need to make sure there's nobody in the house before I record it. Or if there is somebody in the house that everybody's quiet, in which case record it really late at night. And frankly, really late at night does... Uh, I'm usually wanting to either play some games or chill out or watch some TV or just do do some actual other work. Sorry, Sorry, dear listeners, I don't consider this actual work. And maybe that shows in the professional nature of this product. But yeah, so to actually record it and record it for, I don't know, let's optimistically say half an hour's worth of chatter and blather. And then you still have to go through and uh, edit out all of the bits where I've messed up. And even... Though these days you'll have heard just now there was an er because so these days I've I go for a very very light editing approach. If there's something where I've made a horrific noise or really messed up something that I was going to say, I will go back and re-edit that. But for the most part, I like right at the start when I first started doing this, I would go through and I would edit literally every um and er. Uh, out of it and make it a lot more seamless and that takes a massive amount of time i think i think at the time that i was doing that i must have been procrastinating a lot and really avoiding doing 
any actual work that uh, results in payment in some kind because yeah this that takes a lot of effort and a whole lot of time and i just don't do that anymore so the, there are a lot more ums and ers and a lot more bits where i've kind of messed up a little bit here and there but it does make it quicker to edit but even so once you've say once you've finished talking just going through editing it exporting it uploading it to soundcloud all of that kind of stuff writing something in the soundcloud description and tagging it and all kinds of bits and pieces like that i mean you're looking at easily an hour or possibly more and it just it feel it feels like more it certainly feels like a lot more time than just an hour to record it so yeah so last week i was kind of panicking about actually getting a bit of work client work finished so i took the decision to not talk about anything but that's good right because that means that i've got more things to talk about this week what things that was almost seamless it would have been seamless if i hadn't have just interrupted myself to say that was almost seamless what things have i got to talk about this week well I have, so what am I going to talk about? I'm going to talk about uh, making a trailer because I made a trailer for binaries. What's binaries, you say? Binaries is the new name of Teal and Orangey. What? Right, I'm going to talk about making a trailer. I'm going to talk about that I announced the new name for uh, Teal and Orangey. I might talk about MailChimp a little bit. I'll talk about the website. I'll talk about a press kit. And I might even get on to talking about a green light, which by the time that you listen to this, there might be uh, uh, binaries might be on Steam Greenlight because I'm literally on the cusp of just going stuff it. I'm going to I'm going to uh, launch this now. So let's get started. Let, well, so right at the top, uh, I was wanting to do the announcement of changing the name of Teeling orangey to binaries and there's certain parts that of that that i thought i needed first one need a trailer second one screenshots third one website fourth one a bunch of descriptive text in that website fifth one press kit there's a lot of stuff um or sixth one i guess to tell people on the mailing list this oh my word i mean it's a massive list of stuff just off, off of its own back. How do you know what things do you need to tell people about a game? Tell you what's a good tool. Rami uh, made a thing called Do Press Kit. Pretty much every indie game in the world now uses press, uh, Do Press Kit because it does make a press kit a lot simpler. Um, if you go on, so let's get this out of the way. Up front, if you go on www.playbinaries.com, or one word, um, it will redirect you to the binaries website. And at the top right of there, there is a press kit link. So click on that, and you'll see the press kit for binaries. And that's it's basically uses the do press kit template. And the best thing about do press kit, I think, is that it forces you to sit down and go okay what things do i what things do i actually need and what is the kind of minimum amount of content that i need in order to get people talking about a thing and to show off a thing 
so yeah and part of that was that I needed a trailer I needed some screenshots I need a bunch of text telling people about the game the benefit of well one of the benefits of having once you put that stuff together into your press kit you've got that text there you've got the screenshots you've got the video it's all there um so for example after i'd uh, after i'd started to do the launch and like do the that thing i thought oh i'll stick it on uh, indie db as well because why not and when you go on one of these websites where it's like oh list your game um it's there's always a bunch of categories but they're always asking for basically the same information um it's also on unity have their own website which is like a little hub of games that were made with unity sort of showing off games that were made with unity and it's again it's the same it they're asking for the same things and it, what you'll find is on every single website they want a b banner some kind of icon or like a banner image in a completely different resolution to all of the other banner images that you've ever made because every website is a unique and special snowflake in terms of its banner image but everything underneath that is like it's once you've got like your uh, little sort of brief kind of descriptive text of the game and you've got your screenshots and you've got your trailer and all of that kind of things so you know what platforms it's coming out on you know when you want to release it everything like that once you've got all of that stuff together basically every website that wants to talk about your game or wants you wants to give you the opportunity to talk about your game uses exactly the same set of information so what i would recommend is if you're if you're making a game and you're kind of about to go into this process first stop is press kit do pre uh, i think it's called i think you download it from dopresskit.com and then you you basically uh, change some xml files for data upload it to your own website uh, navigate to the location and then it installs itself it's so super simple the most that you'll need to do on it really later like so you change some xml files for some data and you might need to go into the php stuff and kind of hack some stuff out depending on exactly what bits and bits like if you've not got any awards uh, it doesn't necessarily deal really well with not having cert like it there are different categories of information in there and it doesn't deal particularly well with some of those categories being completely missing so you just need to go in and kind of hack that out of the php manually but it's fine anyway so yeah press kit is i think is what i would recommend as your kind of first stop for that will sh give you the knowledge of what information you want to gather together in order to make this thing and in some ways it's like um back way back in the middle of the year when i was talking about i was putting together a business plan and there was you find templates for business plans online and they will tell you the information that you need to gather but once you've gathered that information actually putting it together and talking about your stuff is relatively straightforward and different competitions and different things like that that want to talk about your business everyone just 
I mean, essentially everyone always just wants the same set of information. So once you gather that information about a thing, and if like, and again, so you want to keep it up to date. So it's like once you've got your press kit, you want to keep that press kit up to date. So it's like, for example, if I do launch the green light today, like I'll want to update the press kit with links to the green light and stuff like that. But yeah, so it's all kind of, it all follows in from the same thing. But the main thing there was that it taught me what I already pretty much knew of that, like, okay, I need a trailer. And I've, I don't, well, no, that's not true. I've not, I have made trailers for games, for my games before. Um, I'm never entirely sure how, how well they've gone together, but, um, yeah, so it's kind of that thing of like, okay, you're sitting down, you're making a trailer. How am I going to do that? What's what's going to be in it? Um, and with binaries, like I was having a bit of trouble kind of sitting down and thinking, well, what what do I want to show in that trailer? What do I want the sort of story to be? Like, so I'm a, I'm kind of a fan of the idea of like in a trailer, you want to, you want to have an idea of what you want to get across. So in binaries, it was very much like I wanted to get across the sort of the idea that it would be funny. So there's like there's texts in there that you're controlling these two characters, that you'll die a lot, kind of quite rapid cuts through um, a bunch of different features that are in the game. So in terms of like, OK, there's spikes, there's guns, there's uh, teleporters, there's... Uh, arrows that fire you off there's things for you to collect like I wanted to yeah I wanted to kind of go through all these things to kind of go you don't just like I didn't just want to show stuff that's all right from the start of the game you don't necessarily want to give away story twists if you're doing something that's like really heavily story driven but I think you might want to kind of imply that there is a twist there or like let people sort of have some implication that it's like okay everything what you've seen in this trailer that's not the whole deal there is going to be there's going to be some kind of um something different going on here uh so yeah that's so that was the idea of kind of i was wanting to lay that sort of stuff out so i basically just went into the game recorded an absolute stack of footage of me playing it over and over again oh the map as well i wanted to like kind of get a feel of there's this progression through the game and be able to show people the map uh so yeah i recorded just an absolute stack of footage of the game i use a bit of pc software called bandicam um so this is one thing so i'm a i'm a pretty much a mac boy for almost all of the stuff that i do i work on my mac as my primary computer but in the back in again back in the middle of the year i bought myself like quite a small windows pc it's if you're aware of what steam boxes are it's almost like a steam box in terms of it's like i think it's meant as a thing that you would stick underneath your tv um like almost like a console replacement kind of pc thing um, so I bought one of them because it's like, well, it's not going to be my primary work thing, but there's plenty of things where it's useful. Um, actually showing it off, like taking the game to events. If I don't, if the event isn't providing the hardware, it's nice to have something that's like kind of small and portable there and that I can 
I know for a fact the game runs on it well. So it's, yeah, so I have that, and it's basically just sat behind my monitor, plugged in, most of the time turned off, but, like, it's useful for boot it up every now and again, pull the latest builds down onto it, um, run it, and record some stuff. Because I have found, like, the Windows, for stuff like recording gameplay footage, uh, Windows seems to have a better variety of options there. So yeah, I use a bit of software called Bandicam that was recommended to me. It's um, it's pretty simple to set up. It's not as complicated as OBS. It's not as simple as Fraps, but it's like it's really you can get really decent quality footage recorded really quickly on it. Um, so yeah, so I used that, record all of that, recorded about half an hour's worth of footage of just essentially playing different levels over and over again, moving about a bit in the map, just messing about in it really. Um, dumped that back across to my Mac and then I just use um, iMovie because I'm. it's really, really simple to use and it's probably not the best software for it. Um, I have found it's so in particular for binaries, there's a lot of the colouring and a lot of the visual stuff in it is based on really quite um, subtle gradients. And iMovie does not seem to cope particularly well with gradients. Um, but yeah, so it, it's what I use for all my video editing for my home stuff as well, like my home movies, which are movies of me and my children, I'll have you know. Um, so yeah, I, like I'm really familiar with it. It's really, I mean, it's it's Mac stuff, and it's a part of like this whole iLife suite stuff. So it's meant for absolute idiots to be able to manage, which is why I can manage it. So yeah, uh, use that for editing stuff together. Then I've got a nice video there of basically edited together like just over a minute's worth of footage and then exported that out and bunged it across to Will who is doing the audio for the game and said right there you go there's the there's the video can you stick some audio on that I think that's probably the best way around of doing it trying to do the audio first and then record the video for it seems like it would be mental um and then it basically he had it for a week he wrote an entirely new bit of music for it which was absolutely fantastic i was expecting him just to um change the bit of music that he'd already done and adapt the audio that he'd already done but he wrote a new bit of music for it i sent him like some kind of cues in terms of like okay this is what i this is how i feel the story of the trailer is like this is it starts off kind of like with a gentle introduction quite quickly gets into like okay you, things are going to kill you now um, shows the player dying, bam, 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 quite really quite quick cuts of the player dying. Um, and then it it does like a fade to black and a fade back from black and kind of just goes, okay, it's got, it goes through a level where it's like, you can do this. <clears throat> um, and then it's, yeah, and then it kind of cuts through a whole bunch of features and bits of the player playing the game without dying. Um, and then every now and again, like those are kind of broken up by cuts to the player navigating through the menu and like kind of navigating progressively far through the map just to kind of again like give this sort of feeling of okay this is 
it's like a progression through the game almost, but really crammed it down to the to into a minute. Um, so yeah, so he took that and basically put all of the audio onto it and then sent it back. Well, actually no, so he sent back a rough cut um, of the whole thing, did a little bit of feedback backwards and forwards, and then he sent me just the audio because if he sends me just the audio file, then I can basically I can import that into iMovie as the audio track for that movie, and then I could re-export it at high resolution. Because what I found was, so I say that iMovie doesn't cope very well with gradients at all. I thought because the footage that I recorded wasn't 1080p. If I recorded, if I output it, uh, exported it as like say 720p, that would be better quality video than trying to output it as a 1080p. What it turns out is iMovie is really bad at compressing gradients, but it's not that bad at expanding them. So actually, so <laughs> so the finished version was exported at 1080p, even though the footage in it isn't actually 1080p. So it's probably, yeah, that's, I mean, it's not great, but YouTube does a much better job of compressing that down to smaller uh, file sizes. So that, I'll just let YouTube do its thing on that, really. So at that point, I had a trailer, I had a press kit, I went back through the build and exported loads and loads and loads of screenshots as I was playing it again went through the screenshots, cut out, uh, like deleted all the ones that I didn't want, basically ended up with a bunch of about 11 screenshots that showed different stuff throughout the game, stuck all of that together, and yeah, that was basically it. Put together a website, um, again, I, th I think I've talked about this again recently, um, I've kind of gone back to hand making my own websites. I've I spent a little while um, in the valley of just using stuff that I'd bought from Theme Forest. But in the end, I find you never quite get exactly what you have in your head there. Um, and specifically, there, there's, there's basically nothing on that website that's like, this is a game launch thing. There's loads of, oh, hey, this is an app launching thing. This is a website for your app. And you look at them all and it's all got all these kind of weird aspirational shots of people holding phones and standing in the middle of New York and stuff like that. And you're like, okay, that's, I mean, that's it's completely inappropriate for my PC game. So I'll, yeah, so I kind of, once again, I um, used a bit of software for uh, wire, like really quickly wireframed up. And like an idea of how I wanted the website to be laid out, and I use a bit of software called Balsamic for that. Um, and that's that's something that I use in client work as well, and have used in the past for when I've worked for people. It's a fantastic bit of software for quite quickly uh, wireframing and kind of throwing together ideas for how you want a thing to be really roughly laid out. Um, so yeah, so basically really quickly stuck together an idea for a website of how I want it to be laid out and that. And it's, and I think as well, like kind of knowing that I was going to be building it in bootcamp, it's like you build it quite gridded. It's fine. Bootcamp handles grids 
really, really well. I mean, that's that is kind of it's exceptional at doing that and um, being building responsive websites using different grid sizes of stuff. I th I'd like my take on it is that that's basically its reason for existing. Um, so yeah, so I, I built the website in Bootcamp. It's quite quick and relatively painless, to be honest. Tweaked it, tweaked it a lot, messed around with it. Um, the hardest thing was getting the mailing list sign up to work. Um, so I use MailChimp for my mailing list. Have I talked about this before? I think I might have done. Because I vaguely remember saying that not very many people use my mailing list. So what you should do is, because there are more people that listen to this, even that not many people listen to this, more people listen to this than are on the binaries mailing list. So what you should do is go to www.playbinaries.com and sign up to the mailing list. Um, it's There's a big link there. It's at the at the time of recording this. It's right at the top of the page. It's probably won't. Well, it might not be there when you listen to it. It might be further down the page, because um, if I do actually launch the thing on Greenlight, I'll put the Greenlight link right at the top of the page, because that's so that's the idea, right? It's basically you've got the trail right at the top. You've got a little bit of description text, and then very early on in the page you've got a single kind of primary uh the co they call it a call to action i said there those trendy web types those ux people um the, yeah so like some kind of call to action of what you want the person to actually do uh which at the moment is sign up to the mailing list but uh obviously if it's on green light what i want people to do is vote for it on green light and then i'll just move the sign up to the mailing list thing further down the page uh, yeah, so I use uh, use Mailchimp for the mailing list. So I basically email once I got the website and press kit and all of that kind of thing. I made an email to send to all the people that had signed up to the Tealian Orangey mailing list on TealianOrangey.com. I thought oh, probably best to tell them because I don't just want them to suddenly start getting emails from binaries.com and they're like what on earth is this i didn't sign up for this i mean they might recognize the game it's pretty easy to recognize it's pretty uh stands out a bit doesn't it but yeah i wanted pe i wanted to basically give them the heads up and kind of say to them hey this is going on so i wrote an email uh on them and like mailchimp i like mailchimp it's really really straightforward and simple to use the most complicated bit is like all the sign up form, like it lets you customize all of the different forms that, and emails and stuff like that, that it's going to send to people when they sign up or when they try and unsubscribe and all of that kind of thing. And there's loads of them. And it's, I find that bit a little bit kind of, I'm never entirely sure which ones of those I should be using and which ones I actually end up having to use, uh, especially so the, Binary's website just uses a custom web form where it basically asks for your email address and posts that directly. Um, it doesn't actually use any of MailChimp's templates or anything like that. So I'm never, yeah, I don't know whether I should bother updating them that much. Hey-ho. But yeah, so MailChimp, that's good. Use that. So that just really brings us on to the green light. So I've umdenad about 
publishers. And in the, I mean, in the end, I say I've undenied. In the end, the decision has basically been made for me by no publishers really wanting to touch the game. It's it's a funny old world at the moment. So I've I actually had a very long in depth chat with a guy who runs uh, one of the big uh, UK based indie publishers. You will know it. Um, and I was chatting to him and he was like, right, straight off the bat, we're not going to publish a game. Um, there's some stuff going on. We don't really have the cash there to, like, our books are basically full up with stuff. Some of our stuff over the last year has done well. Some of it hasn't done as well. So it's kind of, we're looking at all of this. But I like your game. So I'm like... He wanted to help, so we were sort of just having a chat. He was basically saying, oh, what other publishers have you gotten in touch with? Have you tried these guys? Have you tried these guys? Um, I'll get in touch with these people for you, um, which was absolutely fantastic. But, yeah, part of, like, what he was saying as well is there's, like, there's a lot of, there are a lot of um, indie people selling themselves now as being, like, indie-friendly publishers. I think... I think it seems like if you have, if you're an independent studio and you have got a relationship with Sony and Microsoft and uh, Valve, so you're able to put stuff straight on Steam, it's it's not a massive leap to basically sell yourself as like, oh, here we're an independent publisher now. Here, indies, come to us with your game. But the thing is, a lot of these people don't really have that much. Um, cash there so like it's not like they're offering to fund development of your game they're offering basically to help the marketing push which is great because that's what i need like i know now that the game is definitely going to get made i know that i definitely have the money to finish it thank you client work um but it's the marketing push that's the thing that's the thing that sort of worries me and that's the thing that constantly bothers me is it's like is that idea of like will i be able to reach out to all the people that i think will enjoy this game do i have that marketing push can i get it on websites can i get people to talk about it and that's really to me that is what i want uh, a publisher to do and some of these people that are setting themselves up as indie publishers when you actually look at like their their social media followings and that kind of thing and look at what they can offer you it's actually it's not that much and you're kind of like well at that point what's what what are you giving me what are you getting out of this and what am i getting out of this and why bother um so in the end like i had had thought about like whether i was going to keep chasing publishers about it and in the end i've kind of thought actually no i'm just going to stick it on green light and see what happens basically um and i feel pretty good about it i don't know i've looked at a bunch of green light stuff and i think there's a lot of muck on green light i mean i know that there's been plenty and plenty of articles about all of this like and all the rubbish that's going on steam but there's plenty of stuff on green light um that's a lot worse than it i'll probably I say I feel good about it now. I'll feel awful about it if it doesn't get through. I really will. Like, it'll genuinely be absolutely dispiriting and disheartening. And I think I think that's the that's the worry, is if it ends up languishing on green light and doesn't get through, it will just be like a real kick in the... Yeah, in the bits. 
Um, but the other side of it, I see. So I, I know people talk about like Greenlight has been like this popularity contest and blah 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 blah. I actually think, like, I wonder whether it, it is of a benefit to people because, and so, like I was saying, it's like the thing that worries me is putting my game out there and no, like, and, like, say it comes out on Steam and nobody knows about it. That's hard. If I get it out on Greenlight. Literally, it being on Greenlight is going to help people find out about it. It's not going to help a massive amount, but it's going to help a, a little amount. Some people will find out about it. it. It basically gives me another opportunity to push it at people. It gives me a thing where there's like this kind of steady build-up. There'll be people that vote on it. They'll find out about it that way. They'll maybe uh, wishlist it or whatever from there. So, yeah. So, I think, actually, I'll view Greenlight as basically being this opportunity to do a slow and steady build up and see where we go from there really so yeah visit www.playbinaries.com either sign up for the mailing list or vote for it on green light if it's on green light at the time when you listen to this it might well be um or do both of those things you should do both of those things and i guess in in two weeks time i'll probably have some genuinely interesting maybe it's interesting i'll actually have some numbers and stuff to start talking about about green light probably so that'll be fun tune in then when there will be some proper stuff to talk about and not just 30 odd minutes of nothing to talk about like there is here so as usual you can listen to this podcast on itunes and on stitcher and on soundcloud and on tune in like share follow subscribe review do whatever just do whatever you can get in touch with me on Twitter at FreakyZerd or at Ant Workshop. Or you can always email podcast at ant-workshop.com. And some people do do that, which is brilliant. And I love those people that do that. So do that more, please. And I will speak to you in a couple of weeks' time. Bye-bye.